Now it's time for Business Unusual, the sound edition. Colin Cullies joins us for that. Uh, Colin, of course, shares stories of those people and companies driving the next industrial revolution. This week, we focus on the business of sound. The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullies. Welcome back, Colin. We just want to know this week, what's so unusual about the business of sound? Well, there were a couple of stories that I thought I'd put together, and given that we do do this audibly, uh, it makes sense to have a look at sound and what unusual things they're doing. And, For sure. Uh, there was a, a period of today uh, where Twitter even had Christopher Walken uh, trending, not necessarily for very long, but for long enough, uh, because people were intrigued uh, to find the answer to the question that said, if you could have your GPS uh, voice navigation be narrated or be be any voice you want, who would it be? And... Uh, Christopher Walken was one of the names somebody put forward. Um, and there were a couple others. What, what, what would what would you have chosen if you could have the best voice to have you uh, driven around town, as it were? I think the voice of God, Morgan Freeman, for me, I think would have been the perfect well, you, one. You nailed it, because that was one of the most popular that came out. Very calm and soothing while confident and ensure you're going to get to where you want to go. Uh, so that was an aside. The, the, the actual voice that I thought I'd, I'd start, or one of the reasons why I started it, is a far more sinister voice, but no doubt just as well known. And it's the one that belongs uh, to James Earl Jones. For the rest of us, oh, of uh, course. Darth Vader. Now, I don't think I'd want Darth Vader telling me where to drive around because I feel very <laughs> intimidated. When on occasions the GPS might make a mistake, I'd be tempted to say, well, it looked like I'm driving into a lake, but if Darth Vader says I must go into the lake, I'm driving into the lake. Uh, and the deal that had happened was that he'd uh, signed an agreement with uh, Disney uh, to allow them to continue to use his voice. Now, many actors will sign over the rights to use their voice uh, and to allow it to be used for a period of time in the future. What we haven't had until now is the ability to make new things using somebody else's voice without necessarily using that person in the thing. So effectively, and for somebody who works in audio, and so your voice itself is a a part of your sort of uh, money-making tools, this becomes almost an additional type of retirement planning for people who are in acting or professional voice work or singers even. Because what you'll be able to do is to say, well, I'm going to build up a career for myself sounding a certain way. Uh, attracting lots of people who then fall in love with the sound of my voice. And then at some point when I can't do it anymore, you're getting old, you just get tired of it, uh, have somebody using technology recreate it sound exactly the same. Imagine, for example, for the fans of Elvis Presley, who will never hear him sing live again, but wanted to say, I want to go and get that style of singing and then sing any modern lyric you might have wanted. So you might get a Michael Jackson song sung in the style of Elvis Presley for those who love Elvis Presley say, wow, I really love this new sound that he's got, even though it wasn't him doing it, or someone you might not know at all. This is the sort of strange things that it starts being able to do. Have they figured Um, out how to put value on on those particular rights? Let's say uh, an actor or a voice actor is late and their estate, of course, hold these rights. I mean, how do you value uh, their their voice um, after their death? Well, once the technology guys create a way to do this, the legal guys uh, start making lots of money working out how to have them pay. Well, the accountants and the legal guys. So that is yet to be settled. At the moment, it's a case by case. And so in this case, Disney... Uh, the company that does uh, the actual technology bar called Respeacher, and then in, in, you know the actor James Earl Jones would be the ones to say, "Here's what I'm willing to to be paid." Uh, it's going to be a little more tricky for those who have already died. I've done a a, a piece like this in the past where um, uh, Amy Winehouse's estate agreed to have her holographic likeness used to go on tour, 
And that followed a version that they created uh, for other um, famous singers who had died, who, who then went on to actually host these holographic shows. Um, they don't look like the real thing, of course, um, but they're also a lot better than not being able to watch anything you know, ever again. Um, and the one I saw was Roy Orbison. So he appears on the stage along with the rest of the band that are performing live. And you can see he looks, you know, he looks like a, like a video projection, but he is on the stage and he is singing his classic hits and it's a fantastic sound system. And in time, I'm sure they'll be able to make that image look even more and more impressive until finally, you know, it'll be even larger than that. And I don't know, do you play Fortnite? I have never played Fortnite, I have to say. Okay. Well, the gamers and the the crowd who who talk about the metaverse uh, might be a little ahead of us there because even uh, in, in the real world the the challenge for a a really popular uh, musician singer would be that they can't be everywhere at the same time and if they go on these grueling world tours after a while you know their body takes strain they can't sing mm. exactly the same way night after night after night so by having either a holographic version where you still go to that stadium where you're going to have that big sound with everybody else shouting and screaming along with you that makes it so much more fun. Uh, you could just as easily uh, slip off into the metaverse as it were, where now it's the quality of the headphones that you've got and the quality of the goggles you're wearing that'll determine how good that concert is. And you don't have to worry about how long it's going to take you to get there, how expensive the drinks are, or having to uh, compete with all the crowds, even though for many, I'm sure, you know, that's a very big part of it. But anyway, that that's kind of the, the one element they did. And this now becomes the, the pure sound element. Uh, but it wasn't just James Earl Jones. There's another uh, famous Star Wars person that is also uh, going to be uh, taking part in this. Uh, and I don't know, again, I don't know how much you follow the Disney and Star Wars stuff, but did you watch any of The Mandalorian? I, no, I did not. I did not watch The Mandalorian. Well, for the most part, people will know that uh, the baby Yoda was in there, a little character called Groku, which is... I'm familiar with the character, yes. So that's the one. And then the other thing right at the end was that you saw a young Luke Skywalker, which then had people saying, how did they do that? And was that Luke Skywalker? Was that somebody else? Well, this was also this company uh, and Disney looking to use this technology. So what they did was they shot uh, an actor. I don't know if it was Luke Skywalker or, or Mark Hamill is the actual actor, uh, but they shot an actor and then did what they these days refer to as a deep fake. They sort of augment somebody's face to make it look like it's somebody else and does a very good job in making it look like it is uh, a young Luke Skywalker. But the challenge was how to make them sound like a, a young Luke Skywalker. So what Respeech did was took a lot of the speech that uh, Mark Hamill would have given while he was young in those early Star Wars movies, uh, turned it into a, um, a, a machine-learned model so that they could recreate it, then have Mark Hamill as he is now reread those scripts and then process it so he sounds young. Now, it's probably kind of hard to get your head around, so I've got a couple of clips here that I'm going to play for you to see what the, the comparison sounded like. This is what he sounded like in The Mandalorian as the young Luke Skywalker. He is strong with the Force, but talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child, but he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. So that's what he sounded like when he was young. Now, Mark Hamill is currently 71 years old, and just... A couple of days ago on Twitter, he was uh, giving his views about Star Wars and things. And this is what he sounds like now. Star Wars was always a fairy tale for children. And fairy tales are morality tales of good versus evil, where good is clearly defined. So quite a difference, I think it's fair a to say. A big, big difference. So keeping that younger voice uh, going in terms of ad campaigns in the future and sound design uh, seems to be more lucrative for him now uh, than, 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 than before. 
Absolutely. And and now let's have a look a little more at the actual tech side of things, because there is a there is a method where you need to take text to speech. Uh, that's the first part that you have to do. And uh, I don't know if you use uh, your Siri or uh, the Google Assistant, but this is typically where you would you would interact with those. So when you uh, speak to one of those smart speakers, uh, it's recording that voice and then having to try and work out what is it that you're saying. Uh, turn those into words and language that it understands, then running that language through its database, its search database, to find something that makes sense, then sending the the results back to this voice synthesizer, and then speaking it out in a way that makes sense to you. And initially, it sounded very bad, particularly if you asked anybody uh, or in, asked the Alexis, uh, sorry, if you asked Siri or the Google assistants here in South Africa what the weather was like and choose just about any one of the South African towns and cities, you'd get a very strange sort of sounding name back. Uh, these days, though, they've been improving it a lot because effectively what they do is they have the more people that ask it questions, the better it gets at understanding what people are saying and the way they say it. And then once they understand how somebody says it, they can better emulate how to say that back. And for anybody who wants to do a little test themselves, uh, ask your smart device devices uh, about the weather that's going to be in a, in a city that you think is going to be particularly challenging. Odds are you'll still find that it is not that great, but for other cities, you'll find it's it's improving a whole lot. So that's the text to speech part, and it really has come a, a very long way. The second part, though, or rather in, as an, um, an example of who's doing that well, is a company called Descript. And their clever thing is to say they take a piece of audio, they can very accurately uh, work out what somebody is saying, and with a high degree of accuracy, write down the words that they were using. That in itself has been around for a while, uh, but and it's been steadily improving. But where Descript has gotten really good at it, and, and for yourself, when you're doing, for example, uh, uh, video pieces and you're out in the field and you're having to uh, do edits and whatever else, yeah. you come back to the office, you're busy doing your edit, and you realize, oh, I meant to say millions and I said billions. Now, what do I do? I can't go back out there and re-record it. If I overdub it, it might not look right. Well, with something like Descript, you literally just highlight the word billion, you type million, and the audio will be updated to say the correct word. So oh, that would be mistakes. a lifesaver for most journalists. I can tell you that because, you know, a lot of us go through a lot of scripts, um, recording them. And when you hear something play out on air and you meant to say billion and you said million, uh, it's one of those things. If you can get an app to change that or technology to change that, it would help a great deal. Well, this is effectively what it does. And again, if, you, if you're out in the field, you're busy recording a piece, you fluff a little bit and you continue. Typically, journalists have got to start from the beginning because that's the only way it'll sound natural. We're getting to the point now where you can just keep going and go and edit the things back in that you needed to say. You might have forgotten to mention a line. You might have got a person's name wrong. Whatever the case might be, you can go back and edit it after the fact. And Descript is starting to get to the point where they'll even do that with video and, and sort of match up what your gestures and your and certainly your mouth was doing at the time to make it look a little better. So that's the the text-to-speech type stuff that's that's getting very, very good. And then you get back to going speech-to-text. And here the opportunity is for people who have sort of missed the whole computer age. They're a, they're a little older, shall we say. They never yeah. quite got used to <laughs> touch typing and typing at a million miles a minute. And for that matter, quite a few journalists I know are still sort of single touch typists, bang, 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 they go. And for voice uh, journalists, you know, journalists who use their voice for the most part, this would be really useful because uh, there's a lot of tools available. And one that's available freely in, in Google Docs is simply voice typing. Uh, and, you know, WhatsApp and many of these other products, you simply tell the, the device, what it is you want to say, it'll transcribe it and away you go. And I have seen older people's faces absolutely light up when I don't just show them how to use a voice note on WhatsApp, but to actually use the ability to transcribe what you're saying into a WhatsApp message. 
That way you've still got the text. You can still go and edit it before you ultimately send it, but you've got it there written without having to say, oh, these keyboards are so tiny and I can't see what's in front of me. So that is another uh, really impressive part. Let's talk about the sound design of of, uh, electric vehicles and and the different sounds that needs to be installed in these vehicles uh, so that we can first be alert of them on the road and also get those indicating signs that we normally get in petrol cars. Sure. So, so the challenge here was that when we got electric vehicles, people were like, wow, no engine. This is amazing. And they're silent. And then we realized, wow, a very fast, powerful car that no one can hear is potentially going to be very bad, very bad for those outside the car. And sometimes not very much fun for the person inside the car. You've probably seen many videos of people sort of going, whoa, when they feel the acceleration of the car, but there's no sound to go with it. Well, manufacturers have realized that that's actually a bit of a problem for people being able to one, enjoy the car and potentially uh, drive it more carefully. So they've started introducing these, um, loudspeakers for want of a better word uh, speakers on the car to replicate what an exhaust pipe sounded like the newest ones the most of them will actually try and replicate exactly what a car sounds like so when you rev your tesla it sounds like a big throaty massive v8 roaring down the road uh, and and people kind of really get the get the thrill out of that but for other smaller cars they've potentially made uh, sounds that might sound a lot more like a, a star wars fighter aircraft so as you pull away you've got this sort of space age sounding thing that still gives you the indication of acceleration and speed and volume to let you and those outside know. But I imagine there might be some very clever uh, musicians who want to say this musical thing I've got is going to be associated with a particular brand or a particular car, a particular make. Uh, and so when you're driving down the road and you hear that particular sound, you'll you'll know that something is coming. I suppose the pioneers in this one were, were minibus taxis because using loud music to announce your arrival and your proximity to them is, is something they do fantastically well. Uh, but the flip side is also true in that um, many pedestrians, etc., cetera, uh, simply won't hear that the car is approaching. So this is the reason why they do that. And the, the, the first part of it was that um, indicators used to be mechanical. They no longer are. But because we didn't, we don't know if the indicator is on or you've left them on, the manufacturers have replicated that sound of an indicator, made that classic click, click, click oh. via the car radio, simply so you know that it's on. So that's what that one refers to. I'll put some more of the details up online about that and, and how yeah, the other sounds Yeah, unfortunately run out of time. But that was a fascinating breakdown of the business unusual of a sound from Colin Cullies, uh, giving us that a breakdown of the, of the sound edition of Business Unusual.